You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, released in early December 2021. We wrap up Chicago TARDIS 2021, and now we are counting down to Chicago TARDIS 2022. We do a dive into a magazine called the 1984 Merchandise Special, right up our alley. Collection protection and an outrageous offer that might just drop your jaw. All this and more. So, ladies and gentlemen, and don't forget to stream Lost at Christmas on Amazon Prime and AmazonPrime.uk, starring Fraser Hines. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the retro world of Doctor Who collecting, those who collect Doctor Who, and issues surrounding all kinds of collecting Doctor Who, and including all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise. Welcome back to the show. I'm Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who now for 40 years. And I happened to have opened one of the first stores dedicated to Doctor Who merchandise and specifically for Doctor Who fans. Back in 1984, we called that store Bundles from Britain, and the rest is history. And we are mentioned in a great book about the history of Doctor Who in America, and it's called Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America. You can find this book anywhere you buy good books, but I have a convenient link to Amazon on our front page at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. We don't get anything for it, but we're happy for you to have it in your collection. I'm very excited, of course, to announce that we are, of course, part of the Direction Point Doctor Who Network, and you can find some of our other sister podcasts at directionpoint.org. If you happen to be a Doctor Who podcaster, there is no cost to join the network. The network can only help you if you're going it alone. Uh, I suggest you join the network and join veteran podcasters who can help you reach a larger audience. Uh, so you can join the ranks of uh, uh, the old Doctor Who show, Time Streams, Police Box in a Junkyard, the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, and Traveling the Vortex. Uh, I am the CEO and director of Direction Point, so I'm happy to answer any questions you have. For more information, you can go directly to directionpoint.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Direction Point. I also like to include resources for collectors, and I include these in every episode. Uh, The two great resources for collectors include Timelash.com to keep track of your books, vinyl, CD collection, videotapes, audio tapes, Betamax tapes, anything you can think of. The only thing they don't keep track of is figurines and action figures and things like that. But you can find just about everything else. And you can log in and set up an account for free no cost, and you can catalog your own collection. I use it as part of my cataloging. So a special thanks to Mr. Dan O'Malley, who set that up for free. If you're looking for a specific item or you don't know or you have a question about whether something exists, I had a great question come up uh, recently about the Doctor Who tin banks. Uh, They came out in the 80s, and there was one with Tom Baker on it and one with 
Peter Davison on it, and someone said they thought they saw one with Colin Baker, and I had to look up in the transcendental toy box uh, where, no, they never made one with Colin Baker, so it was something they did not see, as a matter of fact. Uh, so you can look it up at How's Transcendental Toy Box at doctorwhotoybox.co.uk. Copies of How's Transcendental Toy Box books are very hard to find and are not very complete because once you print something in print, something else comes out or something else is discovered. It's hard to keep up, but the website is up to date. So David J. Howe, of course, runs that website. He's a great friend of mine and a great resource for collectors, of course. And of course, if you're looking for great Doctor Who items at great prices, then look no further than DoctorWhoStore.com, which is the Doctor Who store of alien entertainment. Visit their shop in downtown Lombard on Main Street. It will change your whole perspective on what Doctor Who buying is all about. And we're proud to be somewhat sponsored by them in name. And so we're happy to have them on here. Uh, in addition, you can find we have another great sponsor here. You can also find great Doctor Who items at Forbidden Planet, which is one of our sponsors as well. Uh, visit our website, uh, DoctorWhosCollectors.com, and select Doctor Who merchandise links. If you click the link through our website, we get a small portion of the proceeds of your purchase. The price stays the same. We get a little back, which is a wonderful thing if you want to help keep us on the air. Another way you could uh, patronize us is to visit us on our Podbean page. That's doctorwhocollectors.podbean.com and select the patron button. And you can select anything from $5 a month on up. And that will help keep us on the virtual air. Of course, our website contains a lot of great information, including all of our podcasts. We have the complete guide to Doctor Who classic hardcover books. Uh, we list reprints and things that maybe you didn't even know about. Uh, recently, I saw a post online with a screenshot of our uh, hardback guide and said, wow, you're absolutely right. This is a very hard one to find. Uh, so the research in that went um, to several sources and we're still getting information, uh, what I call proof of life. Like there was a rumored third printing out there of, of a book and we're still waiting to find out if that actually happened. We know for a fact that uh, for instance, like Attack of the Cybermen in hardcover was announced uh, because I was a dealer that year. I have the uh, 86, uh, the 1985 Doctor Who uh, Bundles from Britain catalog, which said Attack of the Cybermen announced, never got printed. So it's one of those that was in the plan, but never happened. Well, now that, uh, of course, now that Chicago TARDIS 2021 is behind us, keep your calendar open for next Thanksgiving weekend for Chicago TARDIS 2022. There will be another convention, and with any luck, we will be over the pandemic by that point, and we'll be able to go without our masks, and we can enjoy the convention as, as we have always enjoyed the convention. But again, stay safe, protect yourself as best you can. Uh, join us there. Uh, I'm still honored to be their collecting expert. We had a great time. I'm going to do a wrap up on our main story of Chicago TARDIS and what happened there. So um, you can always find out about that. Uh, so that's coming up soon. Our theme song is Who's Doctor Who? Composed by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines. Uh, it's a wonderful song. You can hear this podcast, of course, anywhere you get your podcasts, including Stitcher Radio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And you can find this wherever podcasts are found. Uh, we are a Direction Point Network podcast. Find out more at directionpoint.org. 
So after the quick break here, we will have some breaking news from Candy Jar Books. Our main stories today, plural, we're going to have a wrap up of Chicago TARDIS and we're going to dive into a specific magazine that came out in 1984. It was called the Merchandise Special, so it definitely deserves our attention. Uh, we're also got uh, collection protection and the most outrageous offer coming up. Stay tuned. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss in story order all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point podcast. Keep collecting. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Up there is the scanner, those are the doors, that is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. And now on to our main story. Uh, we just wrapped up Chicago TARDIS 2021 and already counting down to Chicago TARDIS 2022. So it was a great convention. What a wonderful weekend. Uh, I had some great moments, uh, including uh, being standing in line behind Mr. Colin Baker when he was buying coffee. And it was a funny story, actually. Uh, he uh, had a lot of loose change in his pocket, and the Starbucks uh, person said, oh, could you please pay me in all change? And Mr. Baker was like, pay you in change. And I, and I happened to say, well, Mr. Baker, we do have a national currency shortage. And he turned around to look at me kind of dramatically and said, is there really? And I've been carrying it in my pocket the whole time. So that it was quite enjoyable. Uh, also had some some wonderful moments with Michael Jaston, who played the Valiard. What a wonderful man! Just absolutely full of stories. Uh, the delightful Colin Spall, who's been in numerous Doctor Who stories. Uh, in addition to that, had a had a quiet quick word with uh, Jason Hay Gallery, the CEO of Big Finish Productions. Just a quick, you know, he got married recently, so we congratulated him on that, and uh, also just the great work that they do at Big Finish. Uh, he brought along with him a couple of wonderful uh, actors from Big Finish, uh, and we're very excited to announce that in the coming uh, months, actually in January and maybe early February. We will be interviewing Sadie Miller, who is the daughter of Elizabeth Sladen, who is reprising the role of Sarah Jane Smith. And we're also going to talk to Lauren Cornelius, who is reprising the role of Dodo Chaplet uh, that the late Jackie Lane portrayed. So uh, we'll get those uh, wonderful people on our podcast to talk about uh, the collecting aspect of, of their work. 
and especially with Sadie Miller, all of the wonderful Elizabeth Sladen stuff that's out there. It'll be a wonderful conversation. Also uh, coming up in the new season, we've got... uh, David J. Howe will talk about his New Who Adventure book, which is about the virgin uh, new Doctor Who adventures. And, uh, of course, classic hardcovers 1977 with our target book expert, Tony Witt, and many more things. Anyway, back to Chicago TARDIS. Here's uh, exactly what I was doing there. I already announced what was coming up, so here's how things went. Uh, I was on a panel uh, Saturday morning for examination of the trial of a Time Lord, and we went episode by episode, kind of breaking down that uh, that short 14-episode season. Uh, the shortest season in Doctor Who history. And it was a very uh, cool uh, talk, of course, uh, with our good Direction Point friends, Asad and Nathan. And uh, it was a wonderful time. Of course, uh, a lot of panels were uh, geared towards the guests, I guess. We had Colin Baker in the house, so it was uh, time to talk about the Colin Baker stories. Of course, my big panel, uh, which was a huge success and actually may lead to other great things at Chicago TARDIS, and that was the Doctor Who Collecting Tips from a Professional Collector, where I boxed up most of my room and brought it to the Westin Hotel. I received so many wonderful uh, comments uh, in person. That, that it was a magical moment. It was uh, Every time you do this, it just really inspires me. So it was one of those uh, wonderful moments. We did a bunch of giveaways from some of our sponsors, including a collection protection starter kit from Bags Unlimited Incorporated, bagsunlimited.com for all your collection protection needs. So it was a wonderful time. Um, and I what happened next kind of leads to something that might happen in the future. So um, on Sunday morning, I had a chance to be on the main stage uh, with John Lavely, Robert Wettendorf, and Stephen Warren Hill, where we talked about the Chicago fan clubs of the 1980s. And that was the first time I was able to tell the Bundles from Britain story in a Doctor Who convention on a main stage. Uh, the, the same stage where the celebrities sat. It was really quite um, uh, moving for me. And in addition, um, when John Lavely mentioned uh, his history in, in doing work with the with the club he was a part of, he mentioned the convention at Elk Grove High School. And I said, wait, did you mention Elk Grove High School? And he said, yeah, I, said, I was a dealer there. That was one of the first bundles from Britain conventions. And I remember it well because the fire alarm went off and he verified that that the fire alarm did go off. And I was like, wow, this is such a small world. And we also talked about, uh, you know, where video, the uh, the pirated videotapes came from, which was I think the epicenter for that was a group called the Emissaries of the White Guardian in Skokie. And there was a guy in Worth, Illinois, with the Unit Irregulars, who used to invite people down, bring your VCR, and they would hook them all up together, and they would do mass copying of tapes to kind of uh, to kind of distribute the tapes, and then eliminate the um, the cost of the people that were selling them, basically. So it was that. Um, it was a wonderful session, but it led to a suggestion from a person in the audience to have a museum room at Chicago TARDIS. And I thought, hmm, so I brought it up as well. Uh, they wanted, the, the idea was for some of the illegal artwork that was done during that time period, which includes artwork from the many companions of Doctor Who, where I was a member, and that artwork was done by the late Bill Eubanks. Um, we thought, why not make it a permanent Doctor Who collecting exhibition? And I could do tips from a professional collector throughout the convention. 
uh, and have a chance for people to see stuff up close and not have to worry about going to a specific panel. So I'm hoping uh, there was a room that it was open next to the autograph uh, or next to the photo pickup room. And if they can get that or something similar, that maybe we can get a volunteer or a security person to sit outside the room and we can make that room happen. So if you're a Chicago TARDIS attendee and you think that's a great idea, send that feedback to the doctor all together at chicagotardis.com. Also, if you attended any of my panels and you want to leave some feedback for those, please also send that to the doctor at chicagotardis.com. And I finished up the, uh, the talks with a couple of uh, wonderful programs here on who is the sixth doctor. I worked with that with Christina Broxen. It was her first time being a moderator, so I was trying to help her out, and she did a wonderful job. She also had an amazing Sixth Doctor costume. Um, we talked about the Sixth Doctor from TV through Big Finish through Virgin Books. And then I finished up with Doctor Who podcasting behind the microphone. Uh, Erica Branson and I, both uh, Direction Point people, we talked about Direction Point and the Unfortunately, it was not very well attended. It was kind of a poor time slot for that. Um, but that's okay. We still got the word out. We're still pushing that word out. Um, and then I closed the convention uh, with a wonderful opportunity in the gaming room. I had a session on how to play War of the Daleks. And I brought two working games. Now, I only had enough people for one game. So we had one game going. And it was a lot of fun to see the game being played. The game was made in 1975, so it's 46 years old, and the game works perfectly. The little Daleks, you can see some of the photos on the Chicago TARDIS Facebook page or on the Doctor Who Collectors Facebook page. What a wonderful time it was. Uh, and just the, the chance to be in person this year and the chance to meet old friends and see a lot of different people and talk to people and, and, and be able to interact. We were all masked and you had to prove your vaccination status or a negative COVID test within 72 hours of your attendance. Uh, we had no incidents from what I understand. Uh, there was no, um, no problem with that. I think that's maybe the way that we're going to go forward with conventions. I think it's uh, as long as this pandemic is going on, uh, I would honestly just suggest to, to everyone listening to please get your vaccines. If you haven't, if you've got your vaccine, make sure you get your booster shot and protect yourself and everyone around you. Uh, there is nothing wrong with the vaccine. I've had all three shots. So it's a wonderful thing to do. Anyway, um, coming up here will be part two of the main story. We're going to talk about the 1984 merchandise guide. We're going to take a quick break. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, 
reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. These are Christmas hats. I've seen people use them. You put them on, and absolutely anything seems funny. Oh, probably won't work on you. Probably not. You want to try? Go on, then. Welcome back. Uh, part two of our uh, main story today is about a magazine that came out in the summer of 1984. And it was called the Doctor Who Merchandise Special. Well, that should be right up our alley here, being that the podcast is about Doctor Who merchandise. So I want to go through this uh, wonderful magazine. I picked it up at Chicago TARDIS for $1. <laughs> it's not exactly in the best shape, but I think this magazine is more of a resource than a collectible. And um, the original price on it was 95p, which puts it close to a dollar anyway back in the day, or maybe $1.50. So... Not too bad. It features a wonderful picture of Colin Baker on the front cover fishing for uh, for uh, for the fish. I can't remember the name of the fish. It'll come to me. Um, Gumblejack. There it is. Gumblejacks. <laughs> anyway, uh, the front cover, uh, of course, has featuring Doctor Who books, Doctor Who records, Doctor Who fanzines, Doctor Who toys, and much more kind of led me to believe when I first saw this issue back in 1984 that there would be like a complete guide to everything out there. Well, no. And of course, this magazine predates the Transcendental Toy Box by a few years. Also in this magazine was a report on the Chicago convention. The first big convention I went to as an attendee was the 1984 Spirit of Light convention in um, early, I'm going to say it was in early February, but I'll have to check my facts on that. So don't uh, quote me there. Uh, and of course, uh, an exclusive Doctor Who interview features in pinups in the magazine. So I'm just going to kind of go through the magazine, um, not to read the whole magazine to you, but I'm going to just go through what's going on with it here. Uh, the inside front cover is a wonderful pinup of Colin Baker. Uh, and of course, he is the current sitting doctor at time of production. Uh, the editor of Doctor Who Summer Special was Alan McKenzie. The assistant was Roger Burchell. Design was Jane Hinbarsh. The feature writer was Gary Russell. And the production was Tim Hampton and Allison Gill. Uh, the advisor was John Nathan Turner. And the publisher was Stan Lee, as it still was under Marvel Comics. Inside the magazine yeah, it would be an interview with Chris Crouch uh, with, when he talks about records, nonfiction books, foreign books, books and novels, and then an a little the article on the Doctor Who Chicago Convention, a little thing a little section on annuals, fanzines, comics, and confectionery. So it not exactly a complete guide, but a pretty good like opening volley as far as uh, merchandise goes. And of course since I was um, I was able I actually read this magazine. I don't have it my original copy from 84. I'm not sure what happened to it. Uh, in several moves, several things became um, lost, <laughs> I guess. And uh, that happens. But I'm, I'm glad to pick this up again because it gives me a fresh insight of what was, you know, the idea of, of stuff back then. Of course, in the United States, it was impossible to get 
a lot of these items because they were in the UK. In fact, some of the ads in this magazine uh, for ordering stuff, you couldn't even do it because the postage uh, requirements were not listed for United States um, shipping back in 84. Now, Bundles from Britain was a, was an active business in 1984, uh, late 84. Uh, this, this is kind of the magazine that came out the summer before I opened the store. And that's when I um, contacted many of my friends in England to say, hey, I'm trying to find this stuff. And they said, sure, we can help you. You know, and so they were very happy to go to bookstores and things in their neighborhoods and as long as I sent them the correct postage, it was all good. Um, today, of course, we've got the internet. We've got Amazon UK. You've got eBay UK. You can basically order things from the Who Shop International or, or Australia's uh, area. You can get anything from anywhere in the world. Um, it was not so easy back in 84, and it took a long time. So let me, let me start off with what's in the magazine here. Um, so it says right here on the first page, this special does not mention anything. So many items are long since unavailable or forgotten that they haven't warranted a mention. I've deliberately steered away from the much chronicled Dalek toy side of things. Uh, what we are looking at are the books, records, and toys pertaining to the program, and also a glimpse at the fans in the program and their undeniably important contribution to the wealth of material that exists. It also seems relevant to ask BBC themselves about their licensing laws, who gets franchises for what and why. So Christopher Crouch was the man who was interviewed for this. And I must offer my thanks to David J. Howe, whose assistance and enthusiasm for this project has been invaluable. So uh, our good friend David J. Howe was, of course, involved with all of this. He's been a collector for a long time, probably longer than me, as a matter of fact. But uh, he and I uh, have a great friendship, and we'll have him on the podcast again soon. We had him before. Um, but, of course, um, it doesn't surprise me to see his name on this, uh, on this article. So uh, as I as I go through this, just looking at some of the pictures, the most of the magazine is black and white, and there's a special color section in the middle. But the first thing you see in in the top third of the page is the Doctor Who Give a Show projector by Chad Valley. Uh, I do have one of those in the collection. Uh, sadly, the projector doesn't work, but I've got all the slides. So I'm still in search of a Chad Valley projector um, that's red. Uh, and I'm looking for one that's working. So if you happen to know one, shoot us an email at DoctorWhoCollectorsPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, throughout the magazine, they have pictures of the Doctor Who annuals, not in order, because they start with the Tom Baker annual. I can't see the year on it. It looks like 1991. No, 81, excuse me. And then the 1966 annual, then the 78 annual. Uh, they have a couple of clockwork Daleks at the top of the page. Uh, I have a 40th anniversary reprint, a reproduction of that. And the Doctor Who jigsaws featuring uh, scenes from John Pertwee stories, including Day of the Daleks. I have a couple of those. Uh, wonderful to find those in any condition. Uh, the next page has some more puzzles called The Enemies of Doctor Who that feature the Zygons, the Crawl from the Android Invasion, and the Santarans. Uh, they try to throw in a few Daleks here, here and there. Looks like the bump, uh, Marx Daleks, a couple of those. And then a short black and white image here of the Dennis Fisher action figure toys, which include the giant robot, the Cyberman, the Dalek, and the K-9, which happen to be four of the most difficult to find of those items. 
Uh, I've been tracking um, on eBay a Dennis Fisher K9, but it's not clear if the K9 is actually in the box. There's no pictures of the K9 itself. It's just the box. So I'm waiting for more information on that. Uh, the next page, of course, there's another Dalek, but the photographs are very difficult to see. This is 1984. The photo quality is very low. Then we start this color section, which is really nice. At the top of the page are a couple of small statuettes on stands, one of Roger Delgado and one of Anthony Ainley. And then to the right of that is one of the Doctor Who tin banks that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. This one has Peter Davison. I also have that one with the Tom Baker one. And then there's a full color picture of all the Dennis figure, Fisher action figures, uh, excluding the TARDIS. But there's K-9, the Cyberman, Tom Baker, Leela, and the giant robot. Uh, I have the TARDIS, Tom Baker, and Leela. Uh, so the giant robot, the Cyberman, and the Cyberman looks awful, by the way. And, and the little K-9, very difficult to find. Uh, as we continue uh, the um, color section here, we've got a section on Gallifreyan grooves, which is about records. And basically, it's uh, I'm going to just read a short part of this article here because uh, this is a really funny introduction. But it says in this section, we'll be taking a look at all the singles and albums that have been released in tie with Doctor Who. I have, it should be noticed, deliberately mysticated a couple of things. If I were to try to list all the appalling versions of the theme tune on assorted Jeff Love and his music-type cheap albums that cover lots of TV themes, I could be here until doomsday researching them, let alone finding time to write about them. So I've ignored them. <laughs> Secondly, there have been records that pick on names or things from the world of Doctor Who that aren't really relevant. Groups such as the Cybermen, K-9, Hassel the Dalek, a.k.a. Dalek I Love You, whose first single came out in 79 and was called Destiny. Possibly one of the only merit is the B-side to the single by the Human League, which you have heard of called Tom Baker, which soon came out after the announcement of his retirement from the series. So um, it's really something else. Uh, <laughs> it, and there are a lot of records uh, to be out there. Uh, Doctor Who, of course, the 12-inch, uh, there was, uh, of course, all kinds of stuff. Mankind produced one. I have that one, the disco version of the theme music with some random lyrics uh, in there. Uh, there's also um, a face that shows a head cut away from the words Doctor Who floated out of the 12-inch. Uh, there was one on Pinnacle Records and Motor Records. Uh, Blood Donor called Doctor Question Mark. I have that one. And so they talk about a lot of these different records. Uh, they have a big picture here of Doctor Who and the Pescatons on Argo Records. Um, I have that one, and I also have Doctor Who and the Pescatons from the Australian Record Club, which is really unique. It's got a different cover, and you could only get that if you were a member of that record club. Uh, on the next page, a big picture of the Doctor Who sound effects record. I still have that one. And for some strange reason, they put a copy of the... Uh, another picture in black and white on the opposite page. So I think they were just trying to fill space. So, um, and of course, they do talk about uh, the John Pertwee recording of uh, Who is the Doctor, which was on Purple Records and then later on BBC Records, Doctor Who is going to fix it. Um, and they quote some of the poem here that uh, he rules here. I cross the void beyond the mind, the empty space that circles time. You get, you know the rest. So, 
it's an it's a nice article here on the records. There's so many things, so many records came out, and I plan to do a podcast on as on the records when I can get a complete list of all the records that were released, including the records he did not write about. So I want to make sure that's complete. The next section he talks about are nonfiction books. There are so many as of today. There are a countless number of nonfiction books dedicated to Doctor Who. In 1984, that list was significantly shorter. So um, the book that they start with here is the Doctor Who, The Making of a Television Series by Alan Road with an introduction by Peter Davison, which came out right at the beginning of his uh, run. Uh, of course, John Nathan Turner, uh, Eric Sayward, Peter Moffat, and other people came up with uh, their own little insights and lots of quiz books. And uh, of course, Doctor Who, The Celebration by Peter Haining and The Key to Time. You know, those all came out as well. Um, also crossword books and uh, other other texts, the unfolding text, which was brand new when this issue came out. Lots of that. And then if you go forward, there are just so many um, foreign Doctor Who books. There are books published in other countries. Um, I did go through some of those in one previous podcast. I have quite a few. I have ones from Portugal, from Brazil. Uh, from France and from Germany. Uh, I had a friend of mine who had the whole run of Japanese books. Those are very difficult to find, um, but those are nice to have too. Also comic books. Uh, we have a lot of Doctor Who comic books, but back then they only referred to the Marvel premiere featuring Doctor Who, which were four uh, comic books that were reprints from the Doctor Who Weekly magazine. Uh, very collectible. And a small photo here of Doctor Who, the unfolding text. Uh, so that's that's the start of that. Uh, they do then go through a, a big section here on Doctor Who overseas. And the pictures they show here are the plan, uh, the Dalek invasion of Earth and the planet of the Daleks in uh, in Dutch and in German. And of course, uh, in Den Hollen Monsters, uh, the cave monsters in German. I have a few of these. I also have the cave monsters in Finn and the Dutch hardback of Doctor Who and the Daleks. Uh, then there was a little, a little ad here that I like here. It says, turn over if you would like to meet some of the madcap Marvelites who produce this magazine. Flip the page to read all about it. And you can actually go to uh, Doctor Who magazine. It was at the London Comic Mart, Saturday, June 2nd, 1984. And you can meet all the people from, the, uh, <laughs> from Doctor Who magazine. Um, so that was kind of cool. Another color section here on books. And we start, of course, with the Canine Annual, 1983. I have a wonderful copy that's signed by John Leeson. Uh, a book cover of Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, on the Avon uh, label. It was the American paperback edition that was produced here, and it didn't sell. <laughs> uh, there's a cover of a pinnacle book of the Talons of Wing Chiang. Uh, the cover of the original making of Doctor Who featuring John Pertwee in the cover by Piccolo Books. A Dalek Annual 1977 and a slightly larger picture of the Revenge of the Cybermen on Pinnacle. Uh, so Pinnacle books, of course, came out in the United States uh, and uh, they were they were at, I found them usually in the grocery checkout line. That's usually what I did with that. And uh, sorry, that meow came from my cat who's probably wanting to be fed. So she'll have to wait till I'm done with the podcast. <laughs> Anyway, uh, they do list a complete list of Doctor Who target books here with the month and year that are published up to where they can actually specify the exact date. So, like, for instance, Genesis of the Daleks came out um, 
let's see, it looks like uh, 20, 22, the 22nd of of July 1976. Looks like a, a typo there. The Web of Fear on the uh, August 19th, 1976. I have to read the British dates a little bit different. There's a pinup here of the Four Doctors featuring Richard Herndahl, Peter Davison, John Pertwee, and Patrick Troughton. Um, lots of pinups here. And of course, the pinups are on the back. Sorry, I hit the microphone. Uh, are on the back of some informational pages. So that was not really good planning unless you bought two of these and you wanted to tear out the pinups. Um, but on the middle of this page was an interesting little ad for the Sheffield Space Center, which I assume is, uh, I've not looked it up, so I assume they're no longer around, but they are advertising the new Doctor Who tiles, a set of nine six-inch square square inch uh, ceramic tiles make up a full color scene of Doctor Who and the Daleks featuring Tom Baker. The original price, £17.50, including postage. Uh, those tiles, I do not have the tiles. They're very hard to find. But they show other merchandise here, including the Doctor Who classic logo mug, an album of Genesis of the Daleks, and a classic logo t-shirt, all of which I have. So that's a really cool thing. And then they go through all the miscellaneous books and uh, all the things here, including the Terry Nation Dalek special. They go through all the licensing, too, like where BBC owns Doctor Who, but the various things like the Daleks, the Cybermen, the K and K-9 were all owned by their creators. And so they had to act as an agent for those folks to negotiate payments and things like that. So that, that's still the case today, I believe. And then I was very pleased. I remember when I got this uh, magazine to have a article here on Doctor Who in Chicago. And the first picture in the upper left-hand corner is a picture of Davros cosplay. And I'm very happy to tell you that that is a picture of my late friend, Bill Eubanks, who was a member of the many companions of Doctor Who. He had put together this really elaborate Davros chair and working uh, working control panel and all that, and that's a picture of him. He's not credited in the magazine, but I can uh, I can get several other people to probably verify that. Good, that's Bill Eubanks. Very proud that he was there. Some wonderful pictures of the dealer's room of John Pertwee and Patrick Troughton scuffling in the police box, uh, Louise Jameson and Nicola Bryant signing autographs, and a nice cover photo of the four doctors that were in the that were at the convention, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Patrick Troughton, and John Pertwee. That was a wonderful convention. I went as an attendee uh, in this convention. So uh, this one was uh, in Thanksgiving weekend, November 26 and 27. Uh, this is the convention I went to that basically right before, I think I said, I may have said February previously on this, and so I apologize, I'm correcting myself right now. Um, the 20th anniversary of the program was celebrated, even though it was a year later. Uh, shortly after this, I joined the, you know, I joined the Many Companions of Doctor Who on December the 3rd, and I, in between November 27th and December 3rd, which is a very short time period, I created Bundles from Britain. So that's in a very important date um, of how that all worked out. Of course, I did go to this convention. It was a wonderful convention, and um, I really enjoyed all of it. It was just it was just so much fun. Uh, there, of course, also included there was John Nathan Turner, Mary Tam, Janet Fielding, Anthony Ainley. Um, I'm just looking at the photo here. Mark Strickson. Uh, it looks like uh, Annika Wills. It looks like Ian Martyr is there. Uh, Elizabeth Sladen, of course, was there. Carol Ann Ford. Uh, so many people 
were were in attendance here, and that was the grand finale. And of course, John Nathan Turter stood stood in between Tom Baker and Patrick Troughton. Uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, and so at the at the end of the convention, we thank you, we love you. And now, because it's nearly Christmas, let's sing "Old Lang Syne." So the panel linked arms, led the crowd in several choruses. I remember that well. Uh, Chicago has been bombarded with Doctor Who conventions and probably will continue to be. This is, well, not true. We, we, we have one per year now at Chicago TARDIS. Of course, some of the stuff that happened in, the, in these big Chicago conventions, I was a dealer at the 85 Chicago TARDIS 22. This was TARDIS 21. Oh, this was this was the 20th anniversary. Uh, TARDIS 21 and TARDIS 22 we were dealers at. And uh, that was a huge difference as well, just to, to be there from that perspective. It was a wonderful time. Uh, then the next section of the magazine talks about the Doctor Who annuals as a complete guide to them, ensuing some wonderful color photos, including the Dutch Doctor Who annual from uh, the Tom Baker era, and a really nice picture of the amazing world of Doctor Who. Uh, some of the Patrick Troughton annuals, the current annual. And what was interesting here, it said that World Publications um, produced the Doctor Who annuals and probably will into the future. Uh, hate to break it to you in 84, but looking back, 1985 will be the final annual until they picked it back up with BBC Books and Panini Books later. And now, of course, Terraqueous Publications filling in the gaps for 72, 87, 88, 89, and all that. So that was the last one more year to go on those. Um, next, of course, they talked about fanzines. And we talked about fanzines uh, a few episodes back, but they list a few here, like uh, Jack, uh, the Black and the White Guardian, the Frontier World, uh, Scarrow, a Doctor Who magazine, Rassilon, Shada, Eye of Horus, and um, all that wonderful stuff. And the next section here is on the comics. And they have some wonderful uh, pictures here, black and white, of course. Um, of the first Doctor Who monthly magazine, a Doctor Who, a couple Doctor Who weeklies, the countdown and TV action, and a couple of the Marvel premieres. So that's the first thing when they say the Doctor has been a staple British comic character since the first days of the show, um, all the way through from 64 in the annuals. And of course, there was also the Walls ice cream book for the Patrick Troughton Doctor into TV action for John Pertwee's Doctor and, of course, the Doctor Who weeklies. Uh, the final part of the magazine is on confection. So they don't have any pictures here, but they, they list, of course, there was... Um, there were some chocolate eggs. There was uh, the Sky Ray Lolly by Walls. Um, and it was a good idea if they got on the Doctor Who Dalek bandwagon and issued a set of cards in 1968 featuring Patrick Troughton's Doctor. That's the Walls uh, Doctor Who adventure book. Uh, in 72, uh, Nestle's Chocolate, of course, uh, had John Pertwee on there. John Pertwee also appeared on Sugar Smacks uh, cereal boxes. And, of course, we know about uh, there was uh, Bassett's Jelly Babies and things of that nature. So there was quite a bit. This article is actually very long, but no pictures. And then they follow up uh, the final part of the magazine here with a selection of artwork featuring the Tom Baker as drawn by uh, Walt Sim Simonson. So that's that. Uh, the final ad, of course, is an ad for Doctor Who, The Unfolding Text, which you could order brand new at £6.95. 
including postage, and you could uh, charge your credit card, which is your access, your Barclay card, or American Express. Barclay card is still around as well as American Express. Of course, you would never write your card number and sign it today. You'd have to do everything online. There's no website here because it's 1984. And then the final uh, inside page here is a wonderful uh, color pinup of Nicola Bryant. And the back page is one I absolutely, you know, there's a great ad here. Andrew Skilleter uh, put out three new posters in 1984. The two that had already come out were the Cybermen and Omega. And then he put out the Santarans, the Master, and K9. And you could get all five prints for £6.10 including, uh, that includes postage and packing back in the day. Of course, you had to live in England to order this because you were ordering it from Who Dares, which was part of Marvel Comics, and uh, they would take your money and allow 21 days for delivery. If you don't want to cut your magazine, clearly write the details on a sheet of paper. That's Marvel for you. So that's the Doctor Who um, merchandise special. You can probably find a copy of this on eBay. I wouldn't pay more than $5 for it. I paid a dollar for this copy. Uh, it's a great resource for collectors. It's one of the first collecting resources that I found in Doctor Who magazine. So I think it's a wonderful idea to have. Gentlemen, I've got news for you. And now we have breaking news here on the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Candy Jar Books is proud to announce that a brand new anthology of unit short stories is now up for pre-order directly from the Candy Jar web store. Uh, the unit files, Operation Wildcat and other stories. Join Benton and the Brigadier in nine short stories at Life in the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. Ever wondered what happened on Benton's first official day in unit or why he left to sell used cars? Ever wonder how Benton earned his sergeant stripes? Or what he got up to on his days off? How does UNIT select new recruits? And what happens when the cleanup, after an alien incursion, goes wrong? In Operation Wildcat and other stories, you'll find these things out and a lot more. A um, lot of stories available there. Uh, the Benton Files 2. It's all in the mind, or is it? Retired Sergeant Major John Benton recounts two more tales of his experiences serving under Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart in the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. In The Lady Jessica Affair by George Ivanoff, Benton and the Brigadier take tea at, with an apparently harmless elderly lady at her stately home and end up defending the world. In Kenton Hall's Life Assurance, life has apparently thrown a different set of circumstances John Benton's way. Will he be able to find a path back to his true calling. Uh, the Unit Files, Operation Wildcat, and other stories is ready for pre-order now. It sells for £25 plus shipping. And by the way, they do ship to the United States. So you can visit that website at www.candyjarbooks.co.uk. But wait, there's more. Mind of Stone Special Edition, Straight as an Arrow. Candy Jar Books is pleased to announce this book sees Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart sent to prison for destroying a rural English village. It also brings back a fan favorite, Captain Knight, from the 1968 Doctor Who serial, The Web of Fear. So Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart has been remanded to the Wormwood Scrubs prison, and his team have no idea why. Secretly, secrecy surrounds his case, but his team barely have a chance to process anything before they are sent on a mission to Egypt. Why does it seem Lethbridge-Stewart is going out of his way to court trouble from the prison's most notorious inmates? And what does it have to do with well-known gangster Hugh Godfrey? 
In the Museum of Cairo, Anne Travers and her team are trying to uncover the mysteries surrounding some very unusual stone statues, statues that resemble those held in a secure military facility in Berkshire. One thing connects these events, the mysterious cargo transported by Colonel Pemberton and Captain Knight in August of 1968. So you can also get this one at candyjarbooks.co.uk. But wait, there's more! Candy Jar Books is praised to announce the details of two new books for the Countermeasures team. Birds of Passage is the first book of two novels that sees Countermeasures team return in print for the first time in many years. And, uh, of course, Birds of Passage, of course, went under a lot of changes. And so it's a really cool thing. Plus, also, the two novel, Birds of Prey, will be released in 2022 in a Special note here that these two particular books are not covered by any subscription plan at Candy Jar Books. So for more information on that, www.candyjarbooks.co.uk. This has been Breaking News. Sad, Red, isn't it? People spend all that time making nice things and other people come along and break them. And now it's time for Collection Protection. Collection Protection is sponsored by Bags Unlimited Incorporated at 1-800-767-2247 or bagsunlimited.com. Right now, you can get 10 to 25% off original prices on their overstock uh, of Collection Protection items, including items for CDs, coin and currency, greeting cards, matting, packing and carryout, periodical, photo and slides, print and poster, trading cards and sports cards, VHS, DVD, and vinyl record. Many, many more items. Just go to bagsunlimited.com and click on special offers to receive this deal. Also, they offer weekly deals at up to 20% off. Uh, this week, it is a no-crush mailer for comics, which mails 10 or 12 comics. Um, and uh, that filler pad is now on sale for $23.58 for 10 they also have some trading card sleeves for graded cards. These are three and three quarter by five and a half, 1.5 mil polypropylene. And you can get a hundred of these now for $4.65 off the regular price of $5.78. Limited time only. Many, many more weekly deals are there. Just go to bagsandlimited.com and click on special offers. This has been Collection Protection. All my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization, decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power-mad conspirators, Daleks, Sontarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. And now it's time for the most outrageous offer. And an outrageous offer is a Doctor Who or Doctor Who related item that is priced way above the going price or by numerous other sellers as we try to do our research to find better uh, prices on a given item, whether it be a book or a Dalek or something that as, you know, just a Doctor Who related that you think, wow, this is a little high. Uh, now, some items are priced high because they are very difficult to obtain or they're one of a kind and not generally available. 
So I just want to point that out. Uh, the item we have here is an item from the new Doctor Who uh, Adventures. Uh, it's called Just War by Lance Parkin, part of the new Doctor Who Adventures. Uh, and um, a very nice book. I have a copy in the collection. And we have a bookseller here. This is Low Key Books from Sumas, Washington State in the United States. A bookseller online since 2018 with a five-star rating. They are offering this book. Uh, it looks like the book condition here is uh, hard to find. I should see here. Doesn't really say. So shipping is free, uh, usually within six weeks. Uh, and the price they're asking for is $1,415.26. Now, the New Who Adventure books do tend to be priced a little higher. However, we looked at five different offers for this book. And we found that um, the offers actually start to go, um, you know, you can get this book in very good condition um, for $151.03. You could also find it for less. I've seen it as low as $75. It is not a rare copy. It's just not a lot of them are available. But I certainly would not pay the $1,400 price tag. That seems a bit outrageous. So that comes in as our first most outrageous offer. We have another one here. This one seems very ridiculous. Uh, and it's in my opinion, this is Doctor Who Dead of Winter by James Goss. This uh, book was published in 2011, so 10 years ago. Um, and the condition is used like new. And this is Mad for Books out of Walshingham. We've had them on the program before in this category. And they're selling this book with $59.56 for shipping. $1,363.17. Now, that I, you can get a used copy of this book for as low as $3.95 or a new copy for $20. Please do not pay $1,363.17. That's ridiculous. That is an outrageous offer. So if you find an outrageous offer, if you're listening and you're searching eBay or Abe's Books or Amazon UK and you find an item that shouldn't be priced that way, send us the link to Doctor Who Collectors Podcast at gmail.com. We'll do our due diligence with research and we might read it on the air. The two provided here were sent with the absolute strictest anonymity. If I said that correctly, give me three points. Uh, so we will not read their names on the air. You can choose that as well. If you'd like to be recognized, we're more than happy to do that. So that it presents our most outrageous offer. So remember, as Christmas is approaching rapidly, please make sure that you're looking at the prices. And that concludes the Doctor Who Collectors podcast for this edition in early December. So we wish to have you uh, have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and a great New Year. And we're looking forward to more podcasts in the new, in the new year. Check out directionpoint.org for all of our sister podcasts. Uh, we have a little bit, uh, the theme music is playing. I just want to say thank you to all of our guests that we had on this year, including Tony Witt and uh, many others who, who help us keep this podcast going. And I also want to thank uh, the folks overseas like Dan O'Malley and David J. Howe, who keep those websites up and running. Uh, so everybody have a safe and happy holiday season. Keep collecting.
Direction point. Direction point. A Doctor Who Podcast Network.